Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. like to welcome you back to the tip of the tower podcast and we are pleased to have our first in guest in studio in studio guest i I can't talk right now in studio guest because we had uh we he's not he's our second guest because technically chris johnson was our first guest over the phone we're really pleased that keegan matheson is able to join us formerly of mlb.com and ready to well he's gonna be announcing soon but a, uh, Something right. regarding Creed, as we were talking about before the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but uh, if you guys follow Keegan on Twitter, you know he is uh, does great work on the Jays, and especially with uh, his, their prospects. He's been on God, Fan 590. He's been on any radio station you've heard of. Keegan has been on it. He, For a reason, he is probably one of the top upcoming baseball experts in the country. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go there and say that. Keegan, welcome. Thank you. Just keep going. This oh, is nice, but uh, no, this is good, guys. I've been flown in, in studio, wine and dine. And uh, I know that podcast listeners don't quite understand how luxurious the life is, but this podcast studio, there is a spread. There's an open bar. There's also a clock. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Whole nine yeah. yards. Not not many podcast <laughs> studios have a clock. Let we also have a bar. license plate up there for some reason. Yeah, beautiful way up British top, British Columbia. Not where Keegan's from. Keegan is... Uh, I'm from the proper coast. <laughs> the uh, the good coast of Canada. Beautiful Nova Scotia. Apparently where they snow a lot, but Keegan forgets about That's it. That's my main job. I'm a Nova Scotia <laughs> propagandist, and I write about the Blue Jays on the side. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you had a great, great rant last week on uh, on the Bay, which uh, it, it was uh, probably it depicts how I picture people who shop at the Bay. That they'll spend two hundred fifty dollars just to look like someone from Nova Scotia. It was insane. I, I, I had a friend from out east who is uh, better dressed than I, so we went to the bay because they wanted a certain jacket of a certain color, something that I would never leave my house for. And we walked in on the first floor, and we're walking around like two idiots. 
and it's just all makeup and perfume. And a gentleman approached me and asked if I would like some hand cream. No, sir, I would not. And you keep really? going around and around. And finally, I asked a woman, you know, where's the, where's the menswear? She says, oh, it's on floors four and six or something. <laughs> and I just uh, instantly became very sweaty and anxious and wanted to run towards uh, any doorway possible. But uh, it was uh, it was quite the experience. Uh, I, I don't think there's a seven-story building in my town, let alone a seven-story uh, <laughs> department store. Yeah. So I'm um, I'm adapting to Toronto. It's been a few years, but um, I uh, I don't want to fully adapt. I don't want to lose my brand. That's yeah. all we have in this life. If you lose your brand, you just might as well disappear. So I, I've got to. I've got to stay stay angsty with Toronto. A big a big <laughs> part of your brand, I would say now is you wrote a, a great. I, I even bought a copy and I was reading it last week or a couple weeks ago. Uh, your prospects, your top Blue Jays prospects. If you haven't, uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't bought it, I suggest you do. Uh, I will. We will have a link in our description where you can pick it up on Amazon. Like you have it fully accessible on your phone. I was reading through it and. Just a lot of a lot of work, I guess, got put into putting something together like that. Yeah, that's right. It's um, it's fifty prospects, and there's another five bonus uh, profiles on the back end because, for example, Edward Olivares and Connor Green got traded this year, and if I'm going to sell you fifty of something, I don't want to sell you forty-eight of it. So, you still have fifty some. Um, it's easy to profile a Vladimir Guerrero or a Bo Bichette or somebody in the upper minors like an Anthony Alford, who I even got a chance to see at the major league level this year. Uh, a lot of the work in putting a book together on something like this comes in profiling Samad Taylor, McGregory Contreras, these guys, uh, you know, Randy Pondler, guys who are pitching in the middle of nowhere, Virginia, or, or, or in a, just in a, a Dominican league somewhere where I can rely a little bit on video and talking to people, but it's mostly I have to rely on scouts I talk to or other people's opinions. So it's uh, it, it's a lot of work in that sense, but um, it, it was enjoyable. And I uh, the, the big thing I wanted to do with it was write it in normal English. I, I think I think when we get to prospect coverage, maybe in other sports, but baseball is my lane, so I'll stay in that. But a lot of time when I read prospect coverage, there's a a bit of an arrogance to it. You know, I I don't want to be a gatekeeper of, you know, saying this guy's wrong, I'm right. This guy has 80-grade speed, projectable left arm, I don't know if he's going to blah, blah, blah. Because you lose 90% of people. And it kind of bores me to just appeal to the top 10% of baseball fans because eh, there's a lot of other people there. So I I tried to do it in a way where people could read it and understand it. And they could read about Boba Shett and, and say, oh, okay, so that's what his leg kicks look, looks like. That's what it does to his swing. That's why it helps his power through his body. This is what he looks like defensively. And it's, uh, yeah, people have uh, been uh, positive about it far more than I ever expected. But uh, it's, <laughs> been, uh, it's been nice. If there's anything I know, especially I'm more of a hockey guy. I mean, baseball, I'm, you know, taking a especially with the Blue Jays, especially the last, I'd say, five, six years. Uh, I've really taken no uh, base, no focusing on the Blue Jays too. But prospects between baseball and hockey is totally different because you know baseball you have all these different tiers of leagues, and you know a first round pick may not always pan out. And hockey, I mean hockey, kind of the same way. But just the development stream is totally different, and I, I can only imagine that you know there's so much out there that for these prospects too, like you don't have just it, it, like hockey like. There's very limited sometimes of the information you can get, 
but a lot of teams now are scouting because these pro because you can't trade draft picks in baseball prospects become the biggest trade chip that a team usually a team has that people want to know as much about these prospects as, as the blue jays did uh when they traded for uh traded for gritchuk you know you move out of connor green st louis fans are going to want to know what this guy's all about well if you read keegan's book he gives you a, a great breakdown of him but it's good that in baseball they they have a lot of this analysis, but picking the right one and knowing which one can give you the better idea of where players project is probably tougher too. It, it is hard, and, and a lot of I I think the simplest way for me to pitch my book. If somebody said pitch your book to me in five seconds, what do you, like elevator pitch? I think you call that. Yeah. My elevator pitch would be, I think it's good because I don't care at all if any of them succeed. I I hope they all have long, happy lives and are, make lots of money doing whatever they do. I don't care if they succeed in baseball. It's um, you know because I read a lot of prospect profiles that are more fandom driven, and it's there's a lot of you know look out for this guy. I love this guy's swing, and that's that's good. And there's a lot of value in that, and a lot of good analysis and insight. But I I, I think if I were rooting for a guy or if I had favorites, I think that kind of skews my vision a little bit because. Uh, pick a random prospect to pick Kirby Sneed. He's a left-handed relief prospect. Yes, guy. and I think that he is really valuable. I think he's underrated, but that's as far as I want my thinking to go. This isn't about me, right? I no yeah. one, no, you know, even though my name's on the cover of the book, no one cares about me in this, right? They care about the prospects. Yeah. So if I go into that thinking I'm a fan of this guy, then I'm going to hear, you know, I'm going to talk to a scout, and he's going to say, "Well, he's got a great arm, but." You know, I, I I don't think he is going to force enough ground balls. All I'm going to hear is great arm because I'm a fan, right? So it's it, it's in, it's important to stay impartial to that and, and and to be objective. I think so. That's what I look for if, if I'm looking at hockey writing, for example. I look for for somebody who who will be negative about a prospect. You know, it, yeah. it's you see a lot of people will rank the top 100 prospects on a franchise and. Number one hundred is still this glowing report, and you think, "Come on, it's it's not how it works." No. So it's um it's a really imperfect process. I, I wrote that at the end of the book. That, you know, this is even rankings are just a, a convenient way to put them together. It's better than alphabetical, right? I, I, one, two, three makes sense, but is the thirty fourth prospect in my book better than the thirty fifth? No, like, I I don't know. Is it better than the in forty fifth? Maybe there's a small chance, right? But it's it, it's so much more interesting to me than the development phases of basketball, football, or hockey because the hit-or-miss percentage is just astronomical. Mark Apple, the number one pick in 2013, I believe, of the Astros, uh, there was a great article in Bleacher Report today by June Lee that he's walking away from baseball. His career was a disaster, and he was the number one pick right ahead of Chris Bryant. And you see so many guys like that. Travis Snyder was the number six prospect in Baseball America in 2009. He was supposed to be the next big hitter in baseball. His nickname was Moonraker. He hit a million home runs in the minor leagues. Yeah, he's a role player. Decent yeah. little career, but not what it was supposed to be. So you're signing kids that are 16 years old, drafting them when they're 17 or 18. And so much can happen. You're not drafting LeBron James and putting him into your lineup day one. You're not drafting a Cam Newton or an Andrew Luck and putting him right in, or a Connor McDavid and putting him right in. The the variable between draft day and MLB debut is really fascinating for me because there is an active 
component that a team takes to shaping a player. Whereas you know, when you draft Connor McDavid, yeah, it's pretty much a finished thing. Yes, you're going you're gonna to tinker with him, but you have a superstar, period. He's already there. Whereas if you draft the next big thing in baseball, you've got a lot of opportunities to screw it up. And so do they, because they're, they're a kid and you're throwing them money and they still need to grow. But uh, the stumbling blocks along the way really interest me. You talk about um, hockey compared to baseball. I mean, in terms of the draft process, you have seven rounds in hockey. I mean, there are definitely not seven rounds in baseball. I mean, how, how many is it now? It's 40. 40. And some teams say at least 30. skip out. Some teams yeah. will get to 36 and they'll say, yeah, we're good. No, that's, and that's you'll like, see a lot of, you know, round 37, mm-hmm. oh, let's just draft our general manager's grandson. Or, or let's, you just, you're just or, drafting you know, the best th- names. That, that the, the guy that played for us in 1995 who we really liked, let's draft his cousin as a favor. You, yeah. you see that. But, yeah, 40 rounds, it's insane. Yeah. Um, just the Jays, I mean, the book is coming at the right time here because, I mean, the Jays were just ranked in the top 10 for Baseball America's uh, organizational talent in 2017. They're in seventh this year, and this is the first time uh, they are in the top 10 since 2015. Uh, and obviously they gave away their top talent that year to build uh, with Alex Anthopoulos. So, um, I mean, obviously that's a little boosted with Vladdy and Bo being as good as they are, but um, what do you see out of the prospects coming up in the system right now? I think a lot of the the ranking jump has to do with the top-end talent with Bichette yeah. and Guerrero because when you're ranking a system, are you going to value high-impact guys, which is the top two or three, yeah. or are you going to value depth, which is probably one to 20? Um I tend to rank, you know, uh, skew my value a little more towards high-impact guys because, you know, if your number 18 prospect develops into a utility infielder, eh, great, but you can also find that on waivers. Yeah. You can be smart about that. Developing top-end young talent is far and away, there's no dispute, factually, the best way to win in baseball. Not just because of the talent, though. It's because you're getting... Vladimir Guerrero, let's say he does play to an MVP caliber, batting title caliber. You're getting that for half a million bucks for a few years. Yeah, That's why teams like Houston are so good, because Jose Altuve is making you know whatever percent of what he Peanuts, should be. Yeah. Uh, Chris Bryant on the Cubs. You know These are a couple World Series teams. All of these teams are benefiting off of young, controllable talent before they get to the point of signing an eight-year, $200 million <laughs> deal that sinks the franchise the, eventually what, what we're about to see next free agency when it rolls around exactly you know it, it's we, we see so many ugly deals in baseball now albert pujos is a, a good example that that contract is a disaster how much longer but is he a few more years at 30 million at least uh, 30 and 31 million i think Wolf. but when you can get these young players really impacting you for no more than a couple of million bucks that is an extreme advantage. And the Blue Jays have done it a couple of different ways. I mean, they've, they've done it through the draft, but also through international signings with yeah. a guy like Vlad, with a guy like Lourdes Gurriel, like Richard Urania. That's a, an area where teams really set each other apart, I, I think. Uh, in, in the draft, most teams have a similar top ten. Most guys, you know, if a guy is ranked number 20 in the draft by the Blue Jays, he's probably ranked around number 20 by the Red Sox, for example. But finding prospects internationally is a, a, a real separating point. And there's some teams that just don't do it. Baltimore just ignores it. Yeah. That's why they are where they are. They just they trade away all their international money, and they just don't seem to care about international signings, yeah. which is, blows my mind, but to each their own, I suppose. 
you're going to have your can't-miss guys like Vlad Guerrero, but you're going to have those guys that you sign for 10000 or 20000 or whatever small amount of money they're being you know, kind of exploitedly signed for, but it, it, it provides tremendous farm system value. And, and the Jays have accumulated that. So now the reason you're seeing them ranked higher is because they have that top-end talent, but it's also close. It's great to have the you know the 17-year-old who's coming up eventually, uh, you know, which Richard Urania was that for a while. But now he is close to MLB ready, and it's more realistic. And that's what teams want now. No team wants to rebuild over five years because money is too important. Uh, teams want guys that are in double-A or up. And that's, that's where the majority of their top 10, almost their top 20, the, the good majority of it is now. Um, and the Jays have four top 100 prospects in the system now. Um, you got Bo and Vlad, obviously, at the top. Anthony Alford, I believe, was 60, 60s? Right on about, 60. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then Nate Pearson, which was the big one for me, came in uh, right near the end of the list. Uh, a guy drafted 28th overall in the draft, clearly. Um, <laughs> drafted in the draft. That's a foreign concept. Um <laughs> They got him with the compensatory pick from uh, Cleveland signing Edwin. Um, right. I mean, when I when I watched the draft, it was a guy that said that he could he can hit a hundred with the fastball, but uh, his other pitches were farther behind, and he was good. They didn't see him as more than a reliever coming out of the draft because he could he had a killer fastball, mm-hmm. but his off speed wasn't as good. I mean, what his unbelievable stats this season! Yeah. Uh, what a crazy year to have. Yeah, he's a really fascinating prospect because he kind of came out of nowhere. He went the junior college route, uh, which is rare um, for yeah. a guy being picked this high, and added a ton of velocity uh, going into his final year. In in a bullpen session ahead of the draft, he was clocked at 102 miles an hour. <laughs> now, you can max out in a bullpen session. It's not a game. But he still hits 100, 101 in, in a game, which, yes... Y- it's interesting because that's not as special as it was 10 years ago. A lot of guys can throw 100. It's yeah. uh, You get excited, but, I mean, Connor Green could throw 100, and the numbers never backed that up. Uh, he couldn't miss bats, and everybody knew the fastball was coming if he needed a strike at all. Yeah. Uh, what makes Pearson exciting, though, is that he's huge. He's yeah, 6'6", he's, six, he's 240, massive. I think. He's built like a, a prototypical pitcher, and... That at least suggests that he might be able to hold up that velocity because he's not a six foot one hundred and sixty pound kid putting the entire force of his body on his elbow. Pearson can use his legs to drive his huge legs uh, he can use his core, his midsection to power his body, and hopefully that helps him hold up over innings now, the big challenge for him this year will be innings number four and five and six. Uh, The big challenge will be July-August, getting into the year, because in Vancouver, he was so good. Uh, I I think it was over 20 innings in his debut, he had seven hits and 26 strikeouts. He only allowed two runs, so that's a .90 ERA. And it was probably as dominant a player as I saw in minor league baseball all season at any level because it looked like a guy that was playing two or three levels below where he should be. Uh, Hitters were just hoping to God it was a fastball and swinging. And sometimes you'd make contact. Now, is that fastball going to stay at 99 in the fifth and sixth inning? We'll see. Is the changeup going to develop? Is the curveball going to develop? We'll see. Because pumping a great fastball against 
19, 20-year-olds in Vancouver in the Northwest League, that'll work. Now you're moving into maybe Lansing. wouldn't surprise me if he skips right to advanced day Dunedin. That's a, a bit of a different game. And now I'm not doubting him whatsoever. Uh, the Blue Jays are extremely high on him. Uh, a lot of people I've talked to in around the Blue Jays say that they're high on him, and they don't say that about many prospects. Yeah, Normally you get, the, under wraps most you of the, get the company line, which is smart. But um, you'll talk to some scouts and, and some executives now that look at him and say, how did he get to 28? And the Blue Jays were able to get him there because they were out ahead on him. I remember months before the draft, I was talking to somebody, and, and they told me, you know what, keep an eye on Nate Pearson for the Blue Jays. I said, who the hell is Nate Pearson? I had no <laughs> idea. You know, I, I'd done a decent amount of head work on the draft just to keep up to date with it. And I, I said, Nate Pearson? Yeah. And I looked, and he's from this junior college. I said, uh, you know, in what round, right? But he really popped up at the end. So when some teams were standing there saying, ah, well, we know this guy's popped up, but we don't know much about him, the Blue Jays had been out ahead of that. Uh, they knew his medicals. You know, he has a screw in his elbow, so they obviously knew a lot about that, and they were comfortable with it. Uh, they, they knew his track record. They knew how he added velocity, and, and they knew the player. The Blue Jays are so big on character and, and uh, culture, which is a word I still don't know how to define. But uh, he's, uh, you know, one theme that runs through their draft is that most of the guys are considered to be good guys. And Pearson fits that. So I think he is a candidate to really jump this next year. He wasn't ranked on MLB.com's top 100. He was numbered 91 on Baseball America. If he puts together a full season, I mean with an ERA under four type of thing, and continues to flash these tools, I think he's a a top 50 guy probably next year and and can rise up pretty quick. And maybe he does stay as a starter. It's all just going to depend on those secondary pitches. Do you find now that a lot of teams want to avoid labeling a, a prospect like that as a reliever just because they – well, A, I don't see the Blues, as you mentioned, they're really high on him. He's never going to be included in trade talks unless you're getting the the, the, the sky and, and above. But do you think that the reason why is because they want to keep that value as high as possible, even though relievers have become very valuable, especially those cheap ones, as you mentioned? I think this is one of the more interesting things in baseball right now, actually, the, the the value difference between starters and relievers and how it's kind of closing a little bit. Um, if a team drafts a Nate Pearson or a Connor Green, they're still going to push them as far as possible as a starter. Um, if the Blue Jays were in contention at the end of the year and their bullpen is decimated, maybe that changes a bit. Maybe they fast-track a guy with a big arm. But otherwise, you want to keep him as a starter as long as possible. That's the old thinking, and it still makes sense in the new era. It's good. But look at the contracts that relievers are getting. And, yes, there's the big, I mean, Aroldis Chapman, Kenley Jansen contracts, but there's guys with 4.1 ERAs that you have to Google that are getting 5 or $6 million a year. And that's really chewing away at teams' payrolls. And a lot of teams are overpaying, and it just it's not working out. So that is kind of a market inefficiency right now that a lot of teams can exploit. The Blue Jays did so good last year at putting together a cheap bullpen. Roberto Osuna was still cheap, even though he had his struggles. You have a guy like uh, like Dominic Leone. He pitched very well. Danny Barnes pitched very well. Ryan Tapera. All of these guys are either drafted and developed or found on waivers or you know just your classic reliever guy that looks like your buddy. But they did well. And they did well for cheap. 
Jays didn't have to waste $5 bucks on a lefty specialist. Didn't have to waste $6 bucks on a long man, which a lot of teams are doing, trying to patchwork it together. So I think teams will be a little more open to the idea. They'll still push them as far as they can as a starter. But the dollars matter here in this sense, I think. And that's why when you look down through the system, a guy like Kirby Snead, a guy like Zach Jackson, who was drafted as a reliever, a right-hander from Arkansas, some of these guys just being a reliever, it's okay. You know, you, you can draft some, you know, an eighth rounder or a twelfth rounder and say, hey, you're a reliever. Let's try to fast track you. And I think the teams that do that are really going to benefit. You know, we're no longer in the era of money ball. Nobody's going to figure out baseball at this point. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I'd like to be an optimist, but that's done. No one's going to say, aha, there's not going to be a movie made in 20 years about what someone figured out in 2017. But little tiny edges can still help and i think this is a tiny edge getting cheap relievers yeah it, it does help i think that the blue jays had a lot of depth in the in their bullpen because you know they made the trade to add an outfielder and this is kind of where i wanted to bring the conversation next because you know the prospect talk is very intriguing i think the blue jays value that that prospect uh system a lot especially with everyone kind of worried about the present but it doesn't seem like they're too worried about that because they're concerned more about the future. But just looking at the Jays' offseason, and many were looking at, you know, the big names of, like, uh, Lorenzo Cain, you know, JT Martinez, technically he's still out there, but from what it looks like, the Blue Jays are just not going to break the bank on a guy like that. Do you do you feel that just looking at the Blue Jays' offseason and knowing they had the they liked what they had in the bullpen – you know, they didn't have to go out and get a huge arm. Well, they still haven't figured out that fifth rotation spot. I think they're still going to be looking, but they don't have to blow their brains out for that. They just need to add some depth in the infield, which they did through those trades. Do you think that having all that set before the offseason really made this offseason easier for them in terms of what they needed to do and get done? I think so. This was never going to be an earth-shaking offseason, I don't think. Um, the biggest variable being Josh Donaldson, but that you know, that was never as close as the buzz suggested. Did that even uh, make I don't sense? Think. It, it, it makes sense if you're going to turn the whole franchise in that direction, I think. Um, and, I mean, it's still a relevant question right now, yeah. today. Um, you know, What do you do with Josh Donaldson? If you trade Josh Donaldson, then you're a sitting duck team for 2018 because Troy Tulowitzki is there. Kendrys Morales is there. Um, Russell Martin is there. Big numbers for aging guys that you can't move unless it's a salary dump and you eat a lot, which you don't want to do. So moving Donaldson didn't really make sense. Uh, Maybe at the trade deadline where you are through the season and you've seen the outcomes, perhaps. But I I don't think that this was supposed to be a really earth-shaking offseason for the Blue Jays. Now, the, the moves the Jays have made really do align with the front office, with Ross Atkins, with Mark Shapiro. And what they've been saying, which is all about depth. Uh, versatility is a word I have heard far more times than I'd like to admit this offseason. <laughs> but with Yenervis Salarte, with Aledmis Diaz, Randall Gritchick, who can play all over the outfield, and, and Curtis Granderson, who isn't terribly versatile, of course, but he at least benefits the outfield as a complementary piece. Complementary, that's the other buzzword. Complementary and versatile. But these all raise the floor of the team. Uh, you'll appreciate them in June or July when you're not seeing Ian Parmley in the outfield, I guess. <laughs> uh, when you're not seeing Ryan Goins hitting sixth for the 12th straight game. 
uh, you know, these these guys at the very bottom of the roster that you see every year and then forget about them. Uh, I I think you'll appreciate this more at that point when Tulowitzki is injured or if Devin Travis needs some time. Uh, that's valuable. What the offseason has lacked, and you know whether it's lacking, whether you need it or not, it's uh, the real ceiling raiser. Maybe that is Randall Gritchick. He has that potential, but he's flawed, of course. There hasn't been the big splash. There hasn't been you know, Giancarlo Stanton. You know, but there, I don't think there was ever going to be. No. So I, I think this is still about complementary pieces. This is about finding rotation depth and bullpen depth now. I think the focus is really going to be on arms. But it, it's a team, I think, that can still be involved. They're not a World Series team. I mean, l- look, at, look around the league. If you're 25 of these teams in the league, you're looking at Houston and New York and a couple of other teams and thinking, like, what? You know? Yeah, no. <laughs> what, what, what are we doing here? Um, that's, that's a factor around the league. Uh, maybe not a good factor. Um, but can the Blue Jays get to July and be involved for the second wild card? Sure. You know, the Minnesota Twins were last year. The Blue Jays were beat up. If Aaron Sanchez pitches, that helps. And I'm not trying to spin positivity on the Blue Jays because if they win or lose, it doesn't impact my life at all. It's, you know, maybe maybe people tweet me nicer things, but that's okay. Maybe. But um, it, it, they're, they're in the middle where a lot of teams are right now. And that should help them sustain something for this season. But if it all goes down, if it all goes south, then you have Jay Happ, you have Marco Estrada, you have Curtis Granderson, you have Steve Pierce uh, on expiring contracts. Whatever relievers you bring in, maybe there's another Joe Smith situation where you bring in a guy and, guy and deal him. Uh, you'll have a pivot point, I think, around July. But for now, it's, it's kind of business as usual. You know, just like the, the Jay Happ signing and the Kendris Morales signing the last couple of years. They're not going to shake everything up, but they're there. <laughs> the yeah, major yeah. league moves, I suppose. Um, with Kendris Morales and Steve Pierce, I mean, they play a role, obviously, with the Jays. But Kendris, I mean, you're looking at probably a DH spot because Justin Smoke is great with the glove and obviously he had a breakout season last year. Steve Pierce, I mean, they've talked about him being, uh, I've, I've heard the platoon role being used with him, Ian Granderson. Is there a move that you think can be made where the Jays are looking to offload one of these guys? Because I don't know that there's enough room to fit both. Yeah, it, it's hard. Um, right now, probably not. Um, a contract like Morales or, or even Pierce, if you were looking to offload money, maybe that's something that you're able to include in a much larger deal, but that's probably yeah. not something that's coming around the corner for the Blue Jays. And Morales still has two years left. And, and in a game that's getting faster and younger and you know ideally cheaper for a lot of teams he is none of those no which Kendris is not Morales ideal. might be the slowest team in the yeah, I've ever um, seen on the base pass. he's a he's a tough fit in the lineup and you know you don't need to be a base dealer you can be very slow and still be very good but uh, the the additional value outside of his bat is really lacking so for the same reason that a lot of fans want him out of town, that's the same reason that another team looks at that and says, no. Yeah. You know what? Uh, pay his full contract, sure. Send him on over, and we'll, we'll house him. Yeah. But it's, it's really tough with the money involved because for, for many teams, if you're looking to get a guy that cannot play defense but can put up a 780 OPS, it's not terribly hard to find. Yeah. The minor leagues have a bunch of guys like that who are – 27 and they'll probably strike out 200 times but they'll hit some home runs yeah home runs aren't hard to find in baseball either 
which is why a guy like Morales is less impactful. So, yeah, those are a couple of not squeaky wheels. You know, Pierce less so. I think if he's healthy, he can still almost exceed his contract value. But Morales, it, it does clog things up a bit. You'd like to have DH to cycle Tulowitzki and Donaldson through, I think. Is that just in hindsight that move just sort of a knee-jerk reaction by the Jays because Edwin signed and they went, oh, oh boy, we need a guy that can well, he hit dingers. Before, he signed before Edwin left. so. But that, that was after Edwin had turned down the initial oh. offer. It, it did keep them safe. And, and and even at the time, you know, I I I try to stay true to it and, and, and look back at my opinion at the time. Didn't love it at the time. But yeah. when I still looked at his spray chart and his contract contact numbers, sorry, you still looked at you know, where, where the balls went that he hit the year prior, and I think he had 30 home runs or 31. And I looked at that and said, well, if he was in the Rogers Center, maybe 34 or 35 of those go out. Maybe the ballpark will help him. Uh, we were also coming off a year where the Blue Jays were very good offensively. Yeah. So maybe he's going to have guys on base and, and so on and so forth. And, and he could still play a first base at an average MLB level if it, if it weren't for Justin Smoke being there. You know, we didn't expect Justin Smoke to be that good. The, Bl- yeah. the Blue Jays obviously knew something. They nailed that contract. Yeah. But um but you know i didn't expect that at all i'm not gonna no, i don't think anybody to, did no i'm not gonna pretend i wrote an article saying great great idea it was more just oh, <laughs> they okay. put justin smoke in the lineup and everybody went no what are you doing Let's see but you know it, it it's it's tough now because like i said power is not as unique uh people talk about randall grichuk uh, maybe he has 30 home run power well, i mean like ezekiel carrera has 30 home run power at this <laughs> point you know with the ball being what it is and totally just not juiced we think. but you you can find a lot of guys with that fifteen to twenty two home run type power. You so know, Ezekiel Carrera is on like a Jose Batista type arc, is what you're saying? Yeah. Like career yeah. resurgence. Yeah, here he comes. Yeah, he's a he's really a man without a country right now. But yeah. I don't know where he fits, but it, it's um you know you you can find so many guys in baseball that are going to give you a dozen a little more home runs. It's not very common to see a guy finish the season with four or five homers. Now, you know, the ball being what it is, uh, how strong people are. You, know, you don't have that that tiny speedy guy or the, that the guy with slow hand eye. It's a different game. So yes, Morales is you know he's he's it's not like he's a minor leaguer. He has MLB value. He fits on good teams and he's worth a lineup spot on most teams. But there's a it's a tough fit in Toronto where they want to be younger, faster, and it's not really working out at that position. But you know it's not out of the question that he bounces back a bit this year and. At least ups the OPS a little bit. As we do this, uh, lovely, lovely man and baseball reporter Shai Davidi walks by. We've just got all the personalities. Oh wow! In today, look at us. I was, oh, I boy. was trying to flag him down, but he. You want me to go run him down? No, that's all right. He I can just shout him. into a mic from a distance. <laughs> I, I didn't bring my my uh, picture of him to get signed today. Uh, <sighs> I have to wait till okay, you know, he's next getting, time. He's getting uh, he's time. getting ready to go to the Olympics. Wait until so. I'm down and done eating. That's right. He's uh, I'm, I feel happy for him. He's Noted a break from baseball. Man. Yeah, that's and then good. he's right back to it as soon as he gets back. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> back but, to the grind in Florida. Yeah, from, from the Olympics, from from hockey. I think he's doing men's and women's hockey there. Yeah. I so yeah. from the premier sport in the uh, Winter Olympics to it's still premier even there. Yeah, even I know. Blue Jays just spring training. Yeah, you know, I, <laughs> I always, I always think. Like, I mean, most know, people would still take the ladder in a heartbeat. Uh, people, you know, I, the the one thing I, it's because Shy was our instructor last year, um, and you know, you you think that you know, going down to Florida when the weather's crappy up here, and 
you know, being in Florida and seeing baseball. With, but some of these guys just get tired of it too because they live out of hotels or they live out of. God oh yeah. Knows, like, and you know, the eating they're not eating the best. They're yeah, not. we we talked to Mike Wilner last year, and he said they had um Sportsnet had him in a spot and just like a rented out house, but he was by himself away from his family. For most oh yeah, of it's not a easy. lot of guys don't look forward to it. I, I was, I was. Um, with a couple of other writers uh, grabbing a bite, not at all in a dive bar the other night. And <laughs> and I was saying, yo, guys, like I can't wait to get out of here go down to spring training because I haven't been going long, and they've been going for more years than I. And they, and they said, man, I don't want to go at all. Take my spot. I don't want to live in a you know, hotel room for five or six weeks. And, yeah. and, it, and it is tough because, yes, it sounds exciting, but um, you know, industry secret for listeners, most of – most of the job is standing around, drinking too much <laughs> coffee to the point where you're anxious. Or water. Getting, getting too hot. Um, standing around some more. Being hungry, so eating something that you shouldn't. And then spending the rest of the day complaining that you ate that thing. That's really the gig. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're you're at the stadium for most of the day, I would assume. Oh, even you in get, the summer, I mean, yeah. my goodness, the, the, the food I ate this summer, I mean... At least two meals a day at the ballpark. That's not good for anybody. So <laughs> it was. Uh, oh my god! It's uh. But yeah. you, you get there in the morning, and then what? Games at one, goes till probably four. Then you're writing your story. Yeah. You do all your interviews. You don't leave till like maybe what six, six seven. Six. Yeah, yeah. Till you're out of there. So, so it's, it's definitely uh, not tough. an easy. It's a grind. Shy does it right. He is the uh, <laughs> he. He's the model. He's the one that will have a uh, a very nice pre cooked meal in the press box or a. He'll get a good salad, and one, when he one walks of those, by with that, we're yeah. sitting you know, huddled over our <laughs> breakfast buffet from the press box, and I, I just think every time I think, ugh, someday. One of these days, it's going to be that <laughs> statue Especially, of Ted Rogers, and it's just going to be shy sitting right beside him. <laughs> Especially when uh, when the, when the doctor's just like, uh, guy, let's uh, let's get serious yeah. here. That he, tur- he turns the lights don't out. Don't say shy. no to salad anymore. What do you mean you're only 30? You're, <laughs> <laughs> you're dying. <laughs> but, um, you know, Blue Jays fans have kind of been teased the last, I would say, since, what was it, what, last week when I heard the story about Bautista getting his eyes checked. And, and you know, like, like you couldn't help it. I think it was especially on. Uh, the I guy was, couldn't just have a bad season, right? He had to. It was, it was shocking. I wouldn't say shocking because, you know, a story like that would only come out when a guy is not being signed or not being looked at by teams. But you imagine think, they just signed him a week later. <laughs> but then, but then you hear, oh, blue, you know, Bautista's in Toronto. But then I also remember Bautista has business interests in Toronto. Yeah. Keegan, what do you think of Bautista's new watch? I saw that tweet, and I think the tweet said Jose Bautista spent a year designing this watch. And I said he probably took a couple phone calls from you and yeah. said, okay. <laughs> picked out a design yeah uh, that's I, I saw the main gripe on twitter was that i i haven't seen really like full shots of it but then there's a 19 where the 12 should be and people are like well people will think it's 19 o'clock <laughs> my reaction to that was the same as the eyesight story which was like okay Batista. <laughs> I, mean, I mean the blue jays test eyesight uh more than a little bit they test everything their high performance department is very thorough in ways that a lot of teams aren't um, I doubt that they missed his bad eyesight. <laughs> Jose Bautista puts more money into his body than any athlete, probably in baseball, probably close to any athlete in sports. I mean, not just like buying weights for his house. I mean, he takes batting practice it, with fruits. Yeah, it's just it's crazy. 
the things he does. There was, I, I actually went back and I, I read, it was an article that, that Shai did at the time, actually, yeah. a couple of years ago. And, and in part of it, it, it spoke of, you know, Jose Bautista meeting with, um, you know, with people who work in Indian medicine to learn breathing techniques to do things. Yeah. So things as deep as that, you know, he's not just doing yoga. He is going deep dive into like other cultures of med. He didn't get his eyes checked. No. Uh, he also does know. all that stretching in the outfield. Like exactly. he's never not moving he's never around. Still, he yeah. is. He is in tremendous shape. Yeah. I'm not just saying that for his age. I'm not saying it related to, to skill set or anything. But he is in tremendous shape. I think he's probably gotten his eyes te- uh, checked. You know, it's whenever I hear a story like that, I think to myself. First question I ask myself is. Where would that come from and why? And in the off season, the answers are usually from an agent and because a guy has no interest. Yeah. 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 Is there a spot re- relatively that he can, or realistically Man. rather, that he can I, land? Or I think is- I'm still where I was a few months ago, which is that he could wait on an injury for a contending team. I mean, you know, if, if the Dodgers lose a couple of outfielders, something, something like that, you know, yeah. or a team, if two outfielders collide and they both tear an ACL, something like that, where a team needs <laughs> Freak a veteran guy, maybe a spot opens up. Yeah. But I don't know if there's a good roster. Is there a contending roster in baseball right now that's looking at their roster and saying, man, we're, we're a World Series contender. What about that right field slash DH position? Uh, I don't think that exists, <laughs> right? And that also eliminates half the teams. He does. So... Yeah. I, other than that happening, I think his only other option would be to to go to a a poor team, you know, a, a poor quality that still has some money, of course. But whether that's a, a Tampa Bay or a team like the Philly, just something like that, where they say, "Hey, you can teach a couple of our young guys. You'll put a few people in the seats, which you know it does matter. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe come in here, hit twenty homers before the All Star break, and then maybe we'll trade you to a contender." It's kind of like what happened with uh, with the Blue Jays and Michael Saunders. Mm-hmm. You know, they traded for Saunders. They knew they just needed someone to plug in while they had those injuries, and you knew it was never going to amount to anything much. But at least gave him a chance to potentially get another shot. I had high hopes for Michael Saunders. Yeah. What are you talking about? But I, I think that like his likeliest shot at a championship, I think, would be to sign with a bad team and play well, and, and then go to a good team. Because yep. Because, I mean, money matters, of course, uh, but at this point, it, he's made money. It's got to be a little bit about championship and legacy and these things exactly. that do yeah. mean a lot to him. And uh, it's uh, it's tough um, because other teams don't care that he's Jose Bautista at all. Toronto, it matters, sure. Yeah, it's, If you're the, yeah. the Marlins, you don't care. You look at him and you say, okay. This is your age. These are your numbers last year. Well, Marlins don't care These about much of anything. Right no, now. they <laughs> they should fold at this point. But you 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 just look at who he is on paper. Uh, the legacy doesn't matter because it didn't happen in your market. So yeah, he's in a he's in a tough place. It's not a good place. And I I mean, if if he was out of baseball next year, it wouldn't surprise me. I think he gets a shot this year, but he has to keep himself afloat now. So Batista should join Goins in Kansas City to complete that. Oh, a- that ALCS flubbed How would duo. That, you know, that would be great. What a, what a, what a oh, the memories. He, I mean, he, he came close. Did he win the home run derby that year when he was in Kansas City or no? I forget. That's a good question, actually. Yeah. He hit a lot of home runs. <laughs> he did. He crushed a lot of balls that day. Um, with free agency, I mean, it's clearly been a huge flop for a lot of players. And we talk about spring training 
what is it? Almost like two weeks. Pitchers and catchers yeah, report. Yeah, they report. Uh, and then another couple days after that, when uh, when the teams report for first practices. I mean, we we've been waiting for I, I, the entire off season. It's been well, wait for Otani to land, then the free agent market will get going. Wait for Giancarlo to land, then the free agent market will get going. Uh, Marcelo Zuna to land to a lesser yeah. degree. I mean, what what happened? Yeah, it's now. I guess you're waiting on Darvish. Arietta or Martinez or something, but and also Kane, Kane and yeah, Yelich just dropped. To but there's not Brewers. even that many players behind them. I mean, like guys like Hosmer. Uh, yeah, to that's still two, a big one. I I can see how Darvish and Arietta are related because they're both very good pitchers. But it's not like there is a JD Martinez Jr. just waiting right behind him. And, <laughs> you know, it's not like there was a Lorenzo Kane esque player right behind him. That there's was no Kendrys Morales waiting behind yeah, an idea. You know, there's not a guy that's going to make. A few million less and a year less that you're looking for a hard comparable on. Now, the big buzzword has been collusion, mm. which, I mean, we like to be dramatic about things, I guess. Now, I don't think that MLB owners are texting one another saying, don't sign this guy, let's drive his price down and, and try to negatively yeah. impact. It's like, ah, it's, there are some unsavory things going on, I think, but the word collusion is pretty heavy. I, I think yeah. this is a, a market and a league that unfortunately realizes winning isn't extremely important because if you own a team, it's, it's, it's not like, like if somebody listening to this podcast owned a team, you're going to try to win. Maybe money isn't that important because yeah. you're owning a baseball team. You'll love it. Not everybody that owns a baseball team is a baseball fan dying to win a world series. It's just not how it works. Um, you know, mostly because most extreme baseball fans aren't billionaires, right? So, yeah. Um, there are a lot of teams spending 90 million bucks on their payroll and making a huge profit. If you're looking at that from a business sense, you say, hey, cool, <laughs> let's keep it going. Maybe we can chop it down to 80, make a little more profit. Let's get younger. Yeah. Um, but it, from an ownership standpoint, I'm, I'm not defending ownership. I think players should get all the money. But if you're looking at J.D. Martinez as an owner and you're saying, gosh, if I – I'm going to be paying an employee 25 million bucks a year. And that number shrinks when we talk about sports, but $25 million. Think of what you can do with that. You know, is it going to raise my profits that much each year as an owner? And we're at the point now in big money baseball, what are we, 10 years, 12 years into big money baseball when contracts just got stupid? We've seen how they fail. We've seen how long contracts fail, like Albert Pujols. Uh, Miguel Cabrera's is going to start looking like that soon. Uh, we've seen how short contracts fail, like a Ryan Howard. That, that big contract he signed with the Phillies was a disaster. Because now at this point, teams have had an opportunity to see the end of those. For a while, they'd only seen the beginning, you know, and, and that's a factor with Josh Donaldson. If you sign him for six years, 150 million bucks, years one, two, three, and maybe four, great. Are you expecting year point. six to yeah. be great? When you're signing these people, are you expect, expecting them to be an all-star at age 42? Or are you just kind of saying, hey, that's dead money, but we'll win something yeah. in the meantime? All of these teams have done that, won nothing in the meantime, and now they are paying very old, very bad players more than anyone on their roster. So yeah. it's kind of a lesson learned type of thing. There is a little bad stuff going on with like the desire to win is not 100%, all that stuff, but teams have learned that these big contracts suck. 
and the system itself is broken. These massive contracts should be given to guys two or three years into their career and take them to age 30. And then you get a five years for 10 million bucks or whatever you're going to actually be worth. Yeah. Uh, players are getting paid nothing for their best years and everything for their worst years. It doesn't make sense. With um, just players, I mean, do you see the market being uh, like next year being a factor? Because obviously nobody's yeah. going to sign a one-year deal and expect anything near what they're worth this season. I mean, you're yeah. trying to avoid 2019 at all yeah, costs that with is the talent. Tough. I mean, like an extreme move from a, a Martinez or a, a Darvish, maybe an ex- like really betting on yourself could be, okay, I'll sign for one year, I'll come back on the market next year. But you're going to get swallowed up by, by the big names, by yep. the Harpers, the Machados. And, and those we're, will we're be all going to New York anyway. That, uh, oh, yeah, what a time <laughs> that'll be. But that will wipe a team out. I mean, yep. if, if New York signs one of those guys – that's probably their off season. If you know, if Boston signs one of them, boom, that's the off season. Let's pick some scrap heap guys to play in yeah. AAA. But that's such a huge investment. So it's minor gonna, league deals the rest of the way. Yeah, it's going to wipe some teams out financially, and they'll do it uh, because the desire to win is still there for most franchises. But it's um, it's going to be a top heavy market, and I think that'll get log jammed as well. You know, you'll get Scott Boris will be in there doing whatever he does again. I'm sure, and I think it's going to be another slow one next year for sure. It's it's weird because, you know, just looking at what contracts the Blue Jays have, the big ones, obviously, Russell Martin, Troy Tulowitzki, which are, I think Russ has two more years left, and then Troy's got three or three or four? I believe it's three with an option. Three with an option, yeah. and we know that option's most likely not going to be taken. But um, do you think this is the, uh, just hearing what you're saying, this is probably the, the pitch that Shapiro and Atkins are selling the – ownership right now which is saying we don't need a book i mean i don't ross atkins and uh mark Sparrow don't no they don't picture me as a guys who want to blow themselves out in free agency anyways but with a guy like josh donaldson coming up blue jays fans would obviously want him to stay but maybe the pitch would be we got to think down the road and sustainability rather than appeasing the fan base and blowing our brains out with a, a, another long contract like that yeah, it's going to be tough. Um, where they came from in Cleveland, obviously less budget. And yeah. one of the the kind of the buzzword terms around them and other teams of similar budgets was 29 and decline. You let your player get to 29 and then you just decline them. You know, maybe 30 or 31 or whatever, but you don't lock up that mistake-free agent, right? Um, Josh Donaldson is a great player. He is an MVP caliber player. I'm saying nothing to the impact of his skill whether you're talking about Donaldson or a Machado whoever you're talking about you're talking about a ball player in the early 30s and history is not kind to guys when they're 37 38 39 so I think the the fan interaction the fan interest and Shapiro has said this in interviews which I do admire he, he said you know if if it weren't for the fans we might have stripped this down earlier and really had taken a different route, but the fans are here and they want something. We need, we owe it to them to contend, and I think that is a good thing to say. And that makes sense, you know. If you're filling the building, don't screw people over and yeah. throw out a twenty million dollar lineup, right? So, how would bringing him in for those years impact the payroll down the road? Well, you'd have to be very careful in free agency, and you'd have to really nail it drafting and developing. You know, if if you have Vlad and Bo and Alfred, Pearson, Barucky, Zoic, everyone coming up and all making the roster. There turns into this miracle team where every prospect works out. 
fantastic. Pay Josh Donaldson $80 million bucks a year. Who cares? Because yeah. you have young, controllable, affordable talent. But if you do lock up Donaldson, then you've got to be really smart elsewhere. Then you, you can't have another Morales, probably. You, uh, all of your contracts, your free agency would need to be more guys like Jay Happ, who you hit on, who is valuable. You know, not, not a superstar, but good quality, consistent value. You'd need to nail it. It really limits the room for mistake, I think. You know, if you lock up Donaldson, great, but you, you can't mess up the next one or the next one. You've got to be much more careful. With free agency, sorry, cut you off there, Dave. I'm sorry. To I, I'm go full ahead. of questions because we don't talk a whole lot of baseball on here because there hasn't been a lot to talk about with the the Blue Jays, unfortunately. So, been waiting to get you and to ask a lot of questions. Um, you talked about the bad contracts and teams starting to see how bad they can really be near the end of them, and what guys the fear of signing a guy to a long term deal. Is there, you think, a case to be made for MLB, the MLB shortening um, the need to have, sorry, to have older um, guys in free agency maybe cut down the age required to be a free agent? Because you get guys that are, mm-hmm. the main free agents in this crop are 29, 30, yeah. 31. You're obviously a little yeah. less inclined to sign a guy to a seven-year deal for big money when he's going to be 38 at the end of the contract. I mean, is there a case to be made there? I'd love it if there would be. And I, I bet that's going to be a focal point of the players' union uh, and, and their case when they look at the next CBA, which hopefully doesn't turn into a, a strike-threatening disaster, but it probably is going to. Um, yeah. It's getting a bit better because you see guys like a Machado or a Harper who debut so early. It'll be the same with Carrero, the same with Bichette, who are debuting at 19, 20, 21. That's good, but... I mean, a guy like Josh Donaldson, this is his first shot to get paid, and he's 33. Um, same with Bautista, same with Encarnacion. Guys that don't bloom until they're 24, 25, which is very common in baseball. So the market is full of guys who are 30, 31, and especially when you look at pitchers. I mean, 30, 31, if you're a guy that throws velocity, especially if you're a reliever, that's you're done yeah. <laughs> most of the time. There's lots of examples of guys that pitch through the 30s, of course, but when you look on average where your velocity goes, where your arm health goes for relievers, that's not a good time you're to have to, your first opportunity. Yeah. And you're starting to see a guy like Matt Harvey. I mean, he had, yeah. he got dead arm this year, and he yeah. was basically shut down exactly. for the year. And it's, you get into just, not even from a baseball standpoint, but if you just look at this from a hard labor standpoint, I mean, yes, they're making millions, so your sympathy can't be too great, but... <laughs> You, you don't have a choice to choose. Yeah, you can get drafted at 18, hit free agency at 31, 13 years until you get to choose where you play. How many years of eligibility do you have to? Is it seven? Uh, in the minor leagues? Uh, no. Isn't there a prerequisite for service in the MLB? Well, before in the MLB, hit? yeah. You go through your, your three rookie years, rookie yep. deal years, and then your three arbitration years yep. to go through the six. So it, it's uh, it, it's a long time. Now, they're getting paid so much; it's hard to yeah. hard to connect with that on a human level. But thirty still, million a year, you know, the, I feel real bad for that. Yeah, guy. the players' union would have a case, and, and like I said earlier, it just doesn't make sense to to really hamstring these guys. And I, I don't, you know, don't think for a second that's by accident. You know, the, the owners aren't sitting there saying, "Man, I wish we could pay them during their prime." Like, no, you yeah. you, you you get them cheap when they're good, and then people who want to pay them for bad years can go ahead and do it. I think. Just uh, from what I think ho- hockey has done right in this case is, too, 
they limit the contract years you can sign a player. So eight years if you, if the guy is re-signing as your own player, seven if he's a free agent. But also, you're seeing like a guy like Connor McDavid. He's played his three years of his entry level. Now it's the payday. I think that really helps the players. And I think if the MLB, if MLB players were to start to see that, I mean, MLB players also make more than NHL players do on a regular basis. But um, I think if they see that, I think it's going to make, for you, we were talking about the CBA here, very, very interesting. And um, do you think, who, who do you think will be more inclined to push that? The older players that need these deals or the younger players that see that chance to get paid earlier? I think the hopefully the older players will stay involved in that. It won't impact them as much, but yeah. it's still about setting them up. Now, and the younger players as well are just getting into it. I mean, they're, if you're 22, 23, do you have any idea really what's going on in that sense? Like, yes, you're aware because you're getting paid, but not a lot of those guys are sitting there thinking about, you know, complex labor law issues, right? So I think a lot of this is on the MLBPA just leadership, you know, which is made up of ex-players and you know, current veteran players, which is good because they have experienced it. But you know, there are just so many examples of guys who bounce around. And, I mean, relievers, relief pitchers are great examples. They are like running backs in the NFL. Yep. They get run into the ground, uh, an entire career put on an elbow, uh, which, you know, throwing a baseball is not a human thing to do. It's not normal. You know, just no, let's you take this tiny yeah. ligament and and you'll try to pull a truck with it. Sure, great you, idea. You throw a ball once without properly stretching, and your arm hurts yeah. for like five minutes. Yeah, you're in pain. So, for a reliever, you do this for a few years, and you're a guy like a Danny Barnes. You're a guy like Ryan Tapera, and you're not always lucky enough even to get to those arbitration years. For a lot of these guys, you just get through your you know, your half million buck seasons. Maybe you get one year of arbitration, and you get an, a number like Aaron Loop would get a million and a half bucks or whatever. And that's it, because then you get to 28 or 30, and boom, you have Tommy John. Well, okay, there's another year, year and a half. Maybe you climb back to the majors, get a couple more days of service time, and, oh, wow, I only throw 89 now. It's, you know, so it's a lot of time and not a lot of reward at the proper time. It's, it's, a, compl- it's a broken system. It really is. Is that why we're seeing a guy, I, I, when, you, when I heard you bring up the relievers part, Ryan Tapari even brought up the idea of him wanting to start down the road and adding in more pitches. Because now you're seeing, I mean, obviously Aaron Sanchez is a little bit of a blimp to that, but starting pitchers usually are tend to try to, you know, prolong their careers by, you know, not throwing as hard and, you know, having those off-speed pitches to work in. And I think what maybe has helped Aaron Sanchez get into the rotation was his curveball is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everyone remembered the fastball when he was in the bullpen, but his other stuff was just so good that it allowed him to – I mean, his the stupid blister didn't really agree yeah. with it, but um, I, I think when I hear a guy like Ryan Tepera say that, it makes you think, okay, yeah, bullpen guys can get paid a lot, but there's some that don't get paid a lot, and they get worn out so much. Mm. I, I, I look at a Roberto Osuna, who is, who's had his you know, mental, uh, you know, taking a toll on him mentally in that role, yeah. and physically, too, with, the, with uh, the things he's gone through. Yeah, he had Tommy John when he was... Well, 16, I think, right? And yeah. uh, we don't talk about that much, but the average lifespan for a Tommy John surgery isn't, you know, isn't until he's going to be 40. It's going to be a factor soon, you know? And he's another guy who's talked about starting down the road. Like, he's not, yeah. he doesn't, you know, he says he likes being a closer, but if he had a chance to start, 
he would start yeah. because it won't put as much. You think it's a, there is a case that, yeah, obviously you're not going to be throwing 100 all the time. That strain on the arm won't be as much. Or is this pitchers maybe need to develop other ways, as you brought up Nate Pearson, of developing those other muscles so it's not putting them a strain on the elbow? Yeah, having a more complete body helps. You know, that's where the high-performance department comes in. And you see so many high school pitchers that just try to rip 100. And, I mean, I don't like it. I, if I hear that a prospect throws 100, I don't care at all. It barely moves the needle for me anymore. Yeah. Because if they're 19 and throw 100, whatever, so does a hundred other guys that I can name off right now that will never touch the major leagues because they walk seven guys per nine innings and their elbow is going to blow up soon. You know, it's when I hear of a guy, a kid throwing a hundred, I almost think like, ah, don't, you know, (laughs) it's, um, you know, ripping off sliders is really hard on the elbow, of course, but just maximizing effort and going beyond. I mean, you're already going beyond what a human body's supposed to do by throwing a baseball 90, but maxing that out, and in such irregular intervals. That's why baseball is a dangerous sport. I mean, if you're playing hockey, you're, you're fluid. You're always in motion. Um, you know, basketball a little bit, soccer a little bit. But baseball is just burst movements. It's incredibly unnatural. You know, that's why you have so many muscle injuries, because a guy will stand still for an hour and yeah. then sprint for three seconds. <laughs> you don't do that in the real world. Whereas in hockey, you're just always moving. Your body is fluid, and it makes more sense. Uh, so for this player, I'll stand around for a few days. Woomph, I'm going to huff a sphere 100 miles an hour, 60 feet, 6 inches. It, it's, it's hard on the body. So, I mean, if I could step in and be, you know, make all of the Blue Jays pitchers the same age for a second, if I could choose to be one of them, I'd be Marco Estrada. Because you can get by on a changeup. You don't have to throw much more than 90, and that's more sustainable. You know, that's why he hasn't really had many injury issues the last couple of years other than his back but that's not arm related you know you can't link that as closely so it's um you know if a young pitcher can succeed throwing 91 with great breaking stuff and location i mean do that but velocity is that's what gets you noticed at those you know terrible high school showcases where we prayed out 17 year old kids in a radar gun you know Yeah, yeah for sure well, just looking at what where the Blue Jays stand there, obviously, what this is kind of like the last point I want to bring up because people are talking about the moves they made, and that yeah they added depth and options in the outfield. But you look at the starting outfielder, you got Pilar, Gritchuk, and then you have the platoon. Obviously, maybe Pierce and Granderson. It doesn't really scream out to a lot of people as something that will. I'm not gonna say it's not, it, obviously it's uh, an MLB caliber. All, uh, outfield, but mm-hmm. it's not one that screams, oh yeah, this is going to be something that moves the needle for this team. Do you think you know, it's just kind of a wait and see how it works out, or do you think the Blue Jays might consider another move? Because I've heard that too. Yeah. I think if they did, it would have to subtract from that group, um, which would be tough to find a matchup with a team looking to do that. It's The, the strange thing about the outfield right now is you could take Grichuk, Pilar, Pierce, Granderson. I'll throw in Anthony Alford and maybe even on a whim Dalton Pompey and Teoscar Hernandez. What's that, seven guys? You could make an argument for each one of those guys having the best season by wins above replacement. 
Some of those arguments wouldn't be great, but I wouldn't call you an idiot. You know, like if mm-hmm. you argued that Dalton Pompey would finally click and get back to that 2013-14 form, I'd say, I, you know, stranger things have happened than a really skilled athletic guy doing Justin well. Justin Smoke. You know, um, why can't Anthony Alford be the best outfielder? I mean, yeah. all of those things are at least not ridiculous. That's seven guys, you know, and I don't think there's one guy that I can sit here and say, boom, he'll be the best. I mean, probably Gritchick by wins above replacement and, you know, because he does have some defensive value. But it's um, much like the, the additions in the offseason of Salarte and Diaz and to the outfield, it's kind of safe. It's in the middle, you know. The outfield, you hope they're average. The infield, you hope is above average with you know, Donaldson, Whatever, whatever Tulo's going to do, and uh, you know, then Travis and Smoke, you think they're above average. Russell Martin can still be above average. And then you hope your pitching is also above average. Yeah. Add a couple above averages together, what do you get? I don't know. I don't know if it's the playoffs, but a lot of that will depend on, on, on the pitching moves they've yet to make. But it's, uh, yeah, the, the outfield I don't think is going to be the, you know, the, the driving force of the team. Yeah. Uh, if anyone, if Anthony Alford can stay healthy, I think he's their best outfielder by midseason. I really do. He's he is a rare athlete. His shoulders are sixty feet wide. He's just and it, he is definitely a football player playing baseball, but a, but a natural natural baseball guy. Really really impressive uh, how mature he is for how raw he still is. And you put him in, he's instantly the fastest guy on the team. I don't think it's close. He'd be the only true stolen base threat. The Jays have a Pilar. They they have a Gritchick, but they don't have yeah. a stolen base guy. They got a couple guys that'll chip in ten. They don't, have, they don't have a Rajay Davis. Anymore. Exactly. Don't we all wish we could? But yeah. it's um, you know, I, I, the AAA outfield might be just as good as the Major League outfield. You'll have Hernandez, Teoscar Hernandez in right field, Alfred probably in center, and maybe Dal- Dalton Pompey in left field. Pompey and Alfred will probably switch back and forth. It's pretty good. Beyond that, you'll, you'll have Dwight Smith Jr. on the bench. I think he's pretty much Ezekiel Carrera with better instincts. You'll have Roman Fields, the fastest player in their farm system, in Double A. Do you send him back to Double A? You have J.D. Davis, who had a great fall. Like, like they just got all these outfielders, but not like the outfielder. You know? So yeah. it's yeah. It, this is a good problem to have, I think. Um, and it'll be clear by June. I just don't think it's going to be clear on opening day. Bichette and Vlad, really quick. Bichette hit 400 at parts last season. Vlad was just given the first 80 hit rating from MLB Pipeline in their history. I mean, they're going to play in the Sky Dome. Rogers Center, excuse me. Let's tow the company line. Um, how exciting is that going to be to see those two, I mean, just hit it all over the park? Man, it's they're, they're two very rare prospects in the – Bichette is the riskier one. Uh, well, any prospect is risky. I, but um, with him, you can you can really dream on a guy who can stick at shortstop. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe he moves to second base. I think he could play a very good third base. But hmm. a guy that can hit 300, I think doubles will. Re- I think he'll be a doubles machine because he's all about hard line drive contact. Um, has the power to hit over 30 home runs. Might be more of a 25 guy. That profile of player. But to have that in the middle of the diamond uh, in a guy that's so natural on the field I think is amazing. And scouts didn't like his swing when he got drafted. He's got this massive leg kick. His body's moving all over the place. Is it like a Batista leg kick? Yeah, it's big. And I see that a lot in the minor leagues now. 
just kind of like guys trying to do the Strowman shimmy. Like, no. Like a guy that's 19 will see it on TV and say, I'll do that. So you see these awful leg kicks, or a guy will pause and throw it to the backstop. But just, like, be your own player. And that's what Bichette is. Like, this is just, he was probably eight years old having a big, ridiculous leg kick. So it works (laughs) for him. And he hasn't tried to change that. He hasn't gone to some hitting guru and tried to change that. Um, And I think that's really special. Uh, He could, I I wonder if he could even beat Vlad to the majors. I'm not sure. It depends on positional availability. It's probably more likely that shortstop or second will be available late this season, but we'll see. Uh, Vlad Guerrero, I I don't like to call anyone a can't-miss guy because, A, it sets me up to look stupid. I do that enough, I guess, but um, he's as close as you can find because – he looks like a 25-year-old man playing minor league baseball. He's a big man. He is huge. I had a scout. I was at a you – know, was I in Buffalo or where was I? I was at some minor league stadium, and I had this old scout who was like a cartoon character out of a movie. <laughs> like if you tried to stereotype an old baseball scout. Yeah. And I asked him about Vlad, and I was talking to him about a couple other power-hitting prospects. He was listing off what was wrong with them all. And he said – he said, I like my power hitters to have a hard time buying pants. I said, so okay. for a second I just kind of chuckled. I was like, I'm nervous. Okay, sure. Well, what he meant is, you know, just have huge legs and a big butt and a thick midsection, which I suppose makes it hard to buy pants. Love but it. I've always kept that in mind. <laughs> I like them to have a hard time buying pants. That's, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. No, that's but, um, everyday but struggles aren't sense. fun. You know, his, his power through his midsection, that's what made Bautista so good at his prime. And Incarnacion, the power they generate from their core. They're not just swinging with their arms. That won't get you anywhere. But they can just let the bat move in their hands and their body will do all the work and that's yeah. what Vlad can do he can you know I, I, part of me thinks that he can be a a peak power guy like a Manny Ramirez like a, a Miguel Cabrera but also part of me thinks that he might be more of a Joey Votto type where he has enough power to hit 50 home runs but he hits 35 or 36 instead because he walks 100 times yeah. and he hits 50 doubles you know he just doesn't have enough at he can also hit, hit for contact home runs. yeah, yeah. And that's what makes him special. That's why he's not Travis Snyder. Because with Travis Snyder, it was always, you know, wow, a huge prospect. He's going to hit 50 home runs if he gets rid of that hole in his swing. But, like, Vlad Guerrero has no if or but. And you, when you see an <laughs> analyst. He's just going to hit 50 home runs. Just, yeah, oh, guarantee it. I'll, he's going to rake. Yeah, I'll, I'll delete this when it happens. But uh, <laughs> when you see an analyst like a, uh, a Jim Callis or Jonathan Mayo or, or Ben Battler, these guys with MLB and Baseball America, they don't hand out 80 grade. It is like this holy grail, you know, because yeah. um, it's not like a video game where the best players are all 99, right? Like, it's they reserve 80 grade for unique special talents. You know, in Baseball America, Mike Trout didn't get an 80 grade hit or power. Bryce Harper didn't, you yeah. know. it's uh, Vlad won't be them in the field. Maybe he plays third base at an average rate. That's best case scenario. But as a hitter, he, he's one of the best hitting prospects, you know, probably the best hitting prospect the Blue Jays have ever had and one of the best hitting prospects in baseball, I mean, this decade. It's kind of unprecedented. Yeah. I I think we covered pretty much what I wanted to cover, but um if you had to give Blue Jays fans, I'm not going to say a reason to be optimistic because that's dumb. I don't want I don't think people should be say, "Oh, you should look up uh, just want to know what would you Tell Blue Jays fans to just watch out for, especially, I'm going to just say prospects-wise, but what should be their focus for this season? 
Ooh, health. I think number one. I think that they're there healthy. were almost, like so <laughs> many injuries last year that you lost track. I mean, there were there were times where I forgot about Aaron Sanchez because since his last injury, I'd written twelve DL articles. Say so he pitched thirty six innings or something. Last yeah, season. I mean, like... so Aaron Sanchez is the other one. Um, his twenty sixteen season was ridiculous. He's a young candidate. Uh, yeah, he, he pitched up close to two hundred innings, had a three ERA. Uh, he was one of the best pitchers in all of baseball, and I mean, even if he comes back at eighty percent of that, that's that's big. But health in that is what you have to hope on, and, and for young players to impact the team. You're talking Am- uh, Anthony Alford, uh, Ryan Barucki, who I think will probably be the number five starter by the end of the season, and Lord is Gurriel Jr. I-, I think now that he's healthy and now that he's established uh, in, in in the United States and Canada playing great, the game, great hair, uh, incredible hair. Uh, the, the, he the and his brother have it going on. I mean, in terms so, of character things. Yeah, uh, so I think. In, yeah, yeah, but the hair. Hopefully, he doesn't take after his brother in every way. But no. those young guys coming up, Follically. instead of you know, random minor league signing number four hundred and five. You know, internal guys. But it's all about health and Sanchez. I think. Yeah. You take last year's team, add health to it, that adds a few wins. Uh, add Aaron Sanchez to it, that adds a few more wins. It's a bit of an oversimplification, but not much else has changed. So I think that's where you're looking. All right. Well, we definitely want to thank Keegan for not only taking the time to come to our lovely studios. It's not like we try to get three different other rooms to, <laughs> to do this in, but I uh, want to thank him for his time. And, uh, you know, he's going to be going down to spring training, which he, I know he's looking forward to, although unlike other uh, MLB writers. So make sure you please uh, keep up with him on Twitter. Uh, check out his – I'm going to have the link for where you can find his book for his prospect rankings. <laughs> And just any, he's going to have some other stuff he'll be announcing in the future. We'll uh, save that for when he wants to do it. So please keep an eye on that. Uh, Keegan, thank you for the time. No, thanks, guys. My pleasure. All thanks, right, guys. Uh, just make sure you continue following the Tip of the Tower podcast on iTunes, uh, Block Talk Radio, who sponsor us. And just follow us on Twitter, Tip of the Tower, and Facebook. You know where to find Austin, underscore Austin Owens? I don't think they do. <laughs> Apparently, every week we try. Y'all know. Every, every, <laughs> Do you haven't even gone one, not even one follower. No, I know it's steadily growing. It's okay. just uh, this is just to key you in. It's it. David always mentions my tag in the thing, and he always tells people to go follow me. Now it's just a running joke that like I don't really gain followers, even though I get a shout out from. <laughs> so we have to do a check in every week to see if Austin's gained any followers. To see how it goes. I have so shout out those people. I don't know if That'll it's from be the, the podcast. Future when you can like listen to a podcast and and I would say you know, follow follow me at blah blah blah, and you can just like shake your phone and it'll do it. Do, yeah, do that it, because we're in a terrible time where like I mean like if I'm listening to a podcast and somebody says hey go follow me on Twitter I'll send you a million bucks I'm like I'm not gonna open my Twitter app no you kidding me yeah, took me this long on. to get the blog <laughs> or the, <laughs> the podcast open come exactly. on I've come this far exactly so we want to thank you and. Uh, Blue Jays fans, hope for health. Have your, eat your vitamins. Take health. your vitamins. That's for sure. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today. 
Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. 